Amen. <laughs> you know, I just love when God's people worship. Um, nobody worships like God's people. And uh, what a blessing it is to be a, a part of that and just to hear you all singing praises to our God. Um, I know uh, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 2 this morning and continuing on in our story of Ruth and, and uh, what a blessing it's been in my life to, to see God at work, see his sovereignty through uh, Ruth's life and Naomi's life and how he's taking care of her. And, you know, studying the, the book of Ruth really removes those theological truths from the realm of the abstract. You know, sometimes we, we hear a truth and we recognize it, but we may not see it for what it is. And, and really, when we can see uh, God's love uh, in, in this story, but also in our own lives, uh, what a blessing it is, and it gives us strength to go on. You know, by following this storyline, we, um, we are helped to see God's provision, uh, God's grace, um, His love in the ordinary events of life. And, um, you know, like the song says, He's good. He's good. You know, and, and it really does, is a, and is a blessing to us. Carl Barth, you know, it's easy for us to forget that, though, that He's so good to us. And, and um, you know, Karl Barth, the 20th century uh, theologian and European uh, preacher, he visited America shortly before his death. And on this visit, he was asked by a scholar, um, they asked this scholar, they said, what's the greatest theological truth that you've ever learned? And he was quiet for a little bit, and then he said, he thought about it, and he said this, he said, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. When we know that, when we know that truth, that Jesus loves us, I mean, what else is there? You know, in Ruth chapter 2, I want to begin reading in verse 17, and I want to read down through verse 23. If you have your scripture, and we go ahead and open up to that. You know, I'm thankful for what Jesus Christ means to me. I'm thankful for what he's done in my life. And the good that you see in my life, hopefully you see good, the good that you see comes from him. And, and he's made a difference in my life. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this. I'd probably be doing something different. But that's the impact. That's the impact that Jesus has had on my life. Let's read verse 17. It says, So the, she gleaned the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and there was about an ephah of barley. She took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she also took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today, and where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told him her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the, man, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Verse 20, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. And then Ruth the Moabite has said, furthermore, 
He said to me, you should stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids so that others do not fall upon you in another field. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time and thank you for your word. And Father, we're always thankful for your word because it speaks right to our very being, Father, to our very soul. And so I ask God that you would just shed light upon our lives, Father, that as we compare that to what we read in Scripture, uh, Father, that you would bring about a transformation. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just search our hearts, even now, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, in the book of Ruth, we have an uncovering, if you will, an unearthing, a, um, a breakthrough of God's love. <laughs> I mean, Ruth has been gleaning barley out of the, the field of Boaz, picking up those things that are left behind, um, not really one of the reapers, not one that would take the, the, the main part of the harvest, but one that would go along behind the harvesters and just pick up bits and pieces and, and putting it all together. And, and she did that, and while she was doing that, she got more grain than she bargained for. She also caught the eye of the wealthy field owner, the man by the name of Boaz, and he works things out for her so that she leaves his field with more than enough grain to feed her and her mother-in-law for more than a week. In one day, she made enough for all next week, okay? Verse 17 says, Ruth took home that day an ephah of barley. An ephah of barley. And, it, and an ephah was made up of 10 omers. I know this is kind of, you know different measurements or whatever, but 10 omers. And an omer was what a person would need, a working person would need for a day's meal, okay? So it's like one day's uh, sustenance. And so basically, she left that first day with 10 times what she needed for that day. 10 times. Folks, this is God's economy, this is how God takes care of us. That's plain and simple, the generosity of God toward Ruth. She could have left with a day's meals, but instead she left with 10 days worth of meals. Isn't that just like God? I mean, I usually can tell when God is at work because he is a God of abundance, what I thought was for this, he says it's for this. And that's the way his blessings come too. I mean, you think about it. You can't outgive God. His shovel's a lot bigger than yours. And you know, it's a blessing when we know and we recognize the generous, generosity of God and the, that he is a God of abundance. She gleaned that entire day in the field of Boaz. And so her gleanings showed them, uh, she took them and showed them to Naomi. And Naomi, Ruth told Naomi that she had gotten her gleanings from the field of Boaz. And when Naomi heard the news, she praised God. Verse 20, she said, may he be blessed of the Lord who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. 
See, she also leaves that field with instructions from Boaz. I mean, Boaz had told her this man was falling in love with her. He saw her and he wondered who she was and he he did his homework and he was falling in love with her and he's determined to get to know her better. And before she leaves, she is invited by Boaz to abide in the field until the harvest is ended. In other words, don't go to any other fields. Come back here and glean here. Stay in this field and glean. I don't want you going and and checking out somebody else's field. You come and glean right here and you can get all you need right here. I think that's huge because he wants to take care of Ruth to see that she has all that she needs and more. And he wants to be a blessing to her life. See, I would remind you at this point that Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ. Boaz is a picture of Jesus Christ. And in these verses, we see a portrait of how the Lord works with his people and how his people should respond. You see, like Boaz, the Lord Jesus, he possesses a big field of grace. A big field of grace. And he wants us to live in that field, to abide in that field of grace. And if we will live in his field of grace... He will see to it that we have everything that we need and so much more. Allow me to point out just a few of the great blessings that are contained in these verses. Verse 21, Ruth says this, he said to me, he said to me, notice that the invitation there is personal, it's very personal. I mean, Boaz didn't tell everybody that. He said to her specifically, and the invitation is personal. He, Boaz is interested in her as an individual. He wants to know her better. He's concerned about her. Listen, Jesus Christ is a personal Savior. He is a personal Savior. He's interested in a personal relationship with each one of us. You know, Romans 10, 13 says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord. He's interested in us personally. He wants us to walk with him in a, in a warm and friendly way. I mean, you think about John 15, verse 5 and 6. Is, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Picture this, Revelation 3.20. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's like he comes to see us where we are at. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and will dine with him and he with me. Something personal about that, sitting at the table, you know, sitting at the table with Jesus. He's saying that's the kind of interaction, that's the kind of fellowship, that's the kind of relationship that he wants. This invitation to Ruth was personal. See, Boaz told her exactly what she was to do. He left no question as to what he expected from Ruth. But understand this, it's the same way with Jesus. He tells us exactly what he expects us to do. 
John 15, 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you, uh, if you not, unless you abide in me. And I love that because he, he's talking about us having our life in him, staying in his field of grace, allowing him to meet our needs. Verse 15, uh, chapter 15 of John, verse 15 and 16 says, no, Jesus said, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. See, our our Lord Jesus, he doesn't want us gleaning in the fields of the world. He wants us gleaning with him. He wants us to glean in his field. He wants us to have a life that is consistent and our... uh, our life that is, has its very existence out of him, out of our relationship with him. Do you remember what he told the woman at the well? He said, if you knew who asked you for water, you would ask him and he would give you living water, a well springing up inside and you would thirst no more. What he's saying is we have to need to have our existence just like a branch has its existence in the tree, in the vine. We have to have our existence in him. See, he wants there to be a hunger in our heart for him. I mean, you think about this. In Psalm 42, it talks about the deer. As the deer longs for the water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I appear Come and appear before God. I love that because it tells me that I need my, my being. I need my existence to come out of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 21. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, Furthermore, he said to me, You shall stay close to my servants until they have finished all my harvest. <laughs> Boaz wanted Ruth to know that she was invited to glean his fields until they were completely done, until everything had been gathered. And this is the promise so that she would enjoy plenty in this time of need. See, the relationship that we have with Jesus, Jesus wants to have with his children. It's not a short-term situation. Jesus wants us to stay with him until the harvest is complete. I don't know if we get that. I think we want to be saved, but we don't necessarily want to work. That's why he has promised us in Hebrews 13, 5, that he will never leave us. That's why he promised us in John 6, 37, that he will never cast us away. Why? Because we didn't choose him, but he chose us. See, people who enter into this kind of relationship with the Lord Jesus, they find themselves in the fertile fields of grace 
where his presence and his blessings are rich and real. You know, this, this, this passage, the, the word translated kindness, in the Hebrew, it's a, uh, it's a Hebrew word, hesed. Hesed. And the word is used in Ruth 1.8. It's also used in 3.10. And it's a word that is characteristic of God's covenant relationship with his people. From this word hesed and its usage in Ruth, we can see four great insights into the amazing love of Almighty God. See, first, that God's love is, is universal. God's love extends to every human being. God's love extends to all of us, and the book of Ruth is probably written by an Israelite. You have Ruth, who was a Moabitess. She was a foreigner. And this Israelite is writing this. It's set in the period of Israel's uh, history known as the Judges, when every person did what they thought was right in their own eyes. And throughout Israel's history, God had to reveal the universality of his love. He had to show them that, that his love was for everybody, that he extends it to all people. You know, frequently the Israelites, they wanted to get exclusive with God's love. They developed a type of exclusiveness, and they thought that God's love was only for them. He's our God. He's not your God. He's our God. And God is saying, no, I am their God too. He's opening it up. You see, no person, no person ever lives outside of God's love. I don't care if they even deny his existence, they still live in his love. He is the one that spoke this world into being. He is the one who created us. He is the one who gives us life and gives us breath. And he is the one who decides when we're done. And until he decides, they are living inside of his love. See, his love is demonstrated toward Ruth. Though sometimes you and I, we may not feel, we may not feel loved by God, but that's not true. That's not true. The fact is, is that God loves you. And he loves every person. Amen. See, your feelings aren't really reliable measures about how much God loves you. I mean, sometimes we all go through dark valleys. Sometimes we all go through things, but he is still with us and he still loves us so much. Sometimes we feel further away from God and we may not feel the love of God, but he still loves us. The fact is, is that he loves us. I mean, I don't always feel his presence, but I do trust his promises. His promises says he will never leave me, he will never forsake me, that when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when I die, when I go from this world, then I go to be with him. That's his promise. I may not always feel the love of God, his presence. And not feeling loved by God, all that means is that you're a normal person. If you don't feel loved by God all the time. I mean, think about it. Love's not all chocolates and hearts and, you know, flowers and Valentine's Day cards. I mean, sometimes love is a battlefield. 
I mean, what else would you call the cross? Where he was beaten and bloodied and hung on a, a wooden cross, spat upon, crown of thorns, blood trickling down, blood coming all over him. That's true love. And that does not change no matter how I feel. He still loves me. See, God's love is universal. It's also very relational. I mean, the word hesed is used to describe God's covenant relationship with his people. The relationship that he has with his people. And the word continues to, and it describes the warmth of a loyal love. A loyal love combined with a brotherly friendship. Think about that. It's not an erotic kind of love that we might think of, of, you know, uh, just, just being all, all warm and fuzzy inside. It's a, it's a warm, loyal friendship. Think about this. The word used to describe how the Lord, the creator of the universe, chooses to relate to us, his people, is in a loving, loyal, brotherly friendship, a deep friendship. See, throughout Israel's history, Hesed described a faithful relationship with people. And God chooses to be with his people as a friend, as a faithful friend. (laughs) He's going to be there when you're going through that dark valley. He's going to be walking right beside you. He's going to be walking behind you, protecting you. He's going to be leading and guiding you all the way, just like a loyal friend would. You can see the evidence of God's love because he chooses to be your friend. (laughs) You know, when we talk about faithfulness, I just want to say in my marriage relationship with my wife, my wife is my best friend. We talk about stuff, we share things, we share our dreams, we share our disappointments, we talk about everything. And you know, I don't desire my wife to be kind of faithful to me I don't desire my wife to be mostly faithful to me I desire my wife to be a hundred percent faithful to me and she desires her husband to be a hundred percent faithful to her in our relationship with Christ we are the bride we are the church and he desires us to be completely faithful to him not going and, and gleaning in other fields the fields of the world, but gleaning in his field of grace. God's love is universal, it's relational, it's also strong. I mean, the love of God, the hesed, is clearly seen by his willingness to continue in mercy towards his people. You know, in our earthly relationships, yours and mine, our earthly relationships, they're sometimes finicky, They're sometimes selfish. They're sometimes conditional. But I want you to hear this. God's love is strong. God's love is unbreakable. I mean, God's love is sometimes what I want to call real tough love. You know what I mean? 
His love may be hard to accept sometimes. Naomi testified through her experience from Bethlehem to Moab and then from Moab back to Bethlehem that God's love is strong. And nowhere is Hesed more richly illustrated than in the life story of another prophet, the prophet Hosea. The prophet Hosea, and we, we think about it in these terms, love although, or love anyway. See, the prophet Hosea, he continued to love an adulterous woman to parallel the merciful love of the Lord for his people, even though they were not being faithful to him. He lived that out because that's what God wanted him to do as a picture of how unfaithful his people had been to him. God's love is strong. I would also say that God's love is generous. I mean, without a doubt, the word hesed includes the generous kindnesses of the Lord. This hesed, this merciful and gracious, it's translated loving kindness. Loving kindness is seen by Naomi in the generosity of Boaz to Ruth. He let her pick up more than she needed. He was willing to be generous with her. And Naomi saw in these circumstances of Boaz's kindnesses the generosity of the love of God. See, I know firsthand, I know from firsthand experience about this hesed. This loving kindness of God. He's been so very, very good to me. Folks, I never dreamed this good. He has taken me beyond anything I could have possibly thought that I would do in this life. He has given me more. He has put more in my hand. He has, he has um, given me more love for people and for my wife and for my family and for everybody around me than I ever dreamed was even possible. I've been blessed beyond measure. And if you will stop, if you will stop and examine your life, Raising your eyes and looking above the circumstances. You can obviously see the generous love and the kindnesses of God in your life. His love is universal, it's relational, it's strong, and it's generous. And one of the most amazing truths that you can learn is that God loves you. That God loves you. And if you will live each day with that realization that you are loved by God. See, his kindnesses just pour out. Jesus said, for God so loved the world. That's us. That's everybody. That he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever that might be, no one is outside the love of God. 
Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. See, Ruth committed herself to staying in the field of Boaz. She didn't wander from field to field, but she settled down and she worked in the fields of grace. And I believe that God's people need to catch a vision of that truth today. Far too many of God's people are wandering here and there and gleaning in this field and then going to another. I mean, could we just determine in our hearts that we're done messing around and settle down and serve him and glean in his field until the harvest is complete? Until he comes for us? Folks, if you're not saved, if you've never proclaimed Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And I invite you to enter into his field of grace. If you are saved and you've strayed from his field, I invite you to return because there's plenty for you to glean. If you're doing your best to be consistent and faithful, I encourage you to carry on because the best of the harvest is yet to come. I believe that with all my heart. That we're going to see a great awakening in our time. That we're going to see God move in and through this body right here. We're seeing it. It's happening. We just need to get in and get after it. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the kindnesses that you give each one of us each and every day. Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for how your word challenges us to be more, to do more, to want more of your kingdom and of you. Father, I pray that as we continue to move forward, Father, that you would draw men and women, sons and daughters to yourself. Father, I pray for the souls of men and women. Father, that they would respond to you, to your goodness, Father, to your hesed, to your loving kindness. And Father, that we as your people would embrace that kind of love and in our covenant with you. Father, I pray that you would do this by your power, by your Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that you would draw people to you, people of all walks of life. Father, people of all nationalities and ethnic groups. Father, people of all economic groups. Father, people from every area of life that you would draw them to yourself. And Father, I pray that you would do that for your glory and for your honor. Father, I pray that you would be with our hearts today. Give us courage to respond to you. You're a great and mighty God. And there is none like you. Guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.